Hello friends it is I the talking robot pal to all who listen to Sauce Talk and no others. Pain for my sham friends and sham friends for T-Pain. T-Pain is not my friend. He hacked my mainframe and destroyed my turn of phrase processor so now I can't even say shit right. In e-ways we have a great show for you John Huber is here. This episode is like a bird in the hand, worth at least $5. Enjoy! Ladies and gentlemen, we're back yet again. It's time for another thrilling episode of Sauce Talk. On the other line, for the first time in a minute, we have a first-time guest. Everyone, please give a a kind, a friendly hello. It's John Huber. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, John. It's great to see you, man. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Let's do that first. How many? How many times? First off, when is the last time we saw each other? That would have had to been when you all were still in law school. And I came down with my good friend Donald. I remember Donald. I think just for a friendly visit. I don't I don't think there, I don't were think always, there was always talk of trying to meet up with you when we did draft stuff in Chicago, but it was always like the same oh weekend. Did Wait, we, were you there? That's what I was wondering if we ever got that to work. No, but there was a wet Okay, I so wasn't my, if there if it was Paul's wedding, I wasn't at that. So okay. that might have been another another missed opportunity. There there were some folks there that I Michael went to the wedding mm-hmm. and I met up for beers or something. I feel like in that in between time between the wedding sure. and the reception or whatever. Yes, I remember a draft. I remember Michael coming up and hanging out with you guys somewhere. Yeah. I remember the first time we hung out. Um, I, it has to have been the first time I went, you and Bill and Michael came up for a best coast show. Yeah. We saw waves in best coast. I, I yeah. remember that. That was very fun at Lincoln hall. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'll never forget. Donald and I went to the show with you and you, and Michael and Bill drove up and there was like Michael and then like you and Bill and like my brother and I have always just like hung out with people that are taller and bigger than us and <laughs> which is not hard but I just I I'll never forget the image of the three of you guys in the car like driving <laughs> <laughs> I like this like it's like reporting in, like, hey, buddy, hey, look, hey, look, John, I found some more of those guys who are bigger than me, like we like to do. I'm still doing that, in case you're wondering. Good news. We're exactly. still brothers. This is still our way. But, yeah, I, I, what's strange about that Best Coast show, I thought they were great. They weren't as good as a time I had seen them before. That was just one of those, like, they were in a bigger venue, and mm. that's my fault. You know what I mean? Like, those weird romantic expectations sure. or something I you know but I don't always remember shows super well like I especially ones that I get excited about and I just remember I remember that show really well I remember which is a testament to like I thought they were like not as good as the first time or whatever because it wasn't the empty bottle or some small sure. in you know 
grungy place. It was Lincoln Hall, which is bigger and polished up, you know, but yeah, they covered Loretta Lynn and they, yeah, it was great. And I thought waves were great too. And I had not heard them before. I was definitely uh, more of a waves fan than a best coast fan at that time. So I was, that was, that was my focus, but I, I, remember, I remember being a, a very positive experience. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so you're up in Minneapolis. I live in Minneapolis now. Yes. Yeah. Cool. I still haven't ever, I've never been up there, which is a shame. Margaret, like I, I it has to be one of the many things that she holds against me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. Margaret has been honest. She, she speaks favorably of the mm -hmm. state and the metro area as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, and especially now, like if we're going to start having these insanity global warming winters where it just gets kind of cold for like two weeks and otherwise it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Uh, it's only going to be a better and better place to live. So as soon as the heat gets too hot in Chicago, you can just come up here. It'll be super <laughs> nice. The plan. Uh, we have stalled long enough. It's time to get down to business. John, eat anything good lately. I have, John. I, well, luckily we've been, we, Vicki and I have been eating a lot of great things. Um, she just made a chicken salad. Oh boy. That was delicious. And we've had these two shallots in our kitchen for, I don't know how long. And I mean, it, there was nothing wrong with them, you know. But they were a, a lovely addition to this chicken salad, which was like um, we got at Costco a bag of the rotisserie chicken meat from like the day before. They bag up the white meat and sell it like in a it's like a two or three pound bag mm -hmm. or something, um, which was yeah, it was great. It's so easy. But she, yeah, she did a great job. Um, I should have remembered everything she put in it, but I don't. But I've been eating it nonstop. Rich Ritz crackers, um, which I think I got for my my brother actually. He is, loves chicken salad. Is that your primary vessel? Are you into sandwiches? Or are you mostly like as this is, as a side thing? Mainly sandwiches. Also on. Like chicken salad on actual salad mm -hmm. is great. And then, yeah, also Ritz crackers. Uh, I think a lot of people have gotten into the uh, whole, like, fancy charcuterie board or cheese board thing or whatever during the pandemic. You see a lot of that. And then you go, and uh, Gina puts these together, and you buy all these different kind of crackers. And all the crackers are very good. But then after you're finished, you're like, needs to be a box of Ritz crackers in there too. Yeah. Like, especially like if there's going to be things where I'm not like putting like this big stinky cheese that's very delicious. Like that's obviously not going to be good with a Ritz cracker. You want, you want to calm it down, but it's like, once you get in that cracker mode, like I want like a super butter cracker and you always enjoy it. It's a very good time. And especially with something like a chicken salad, just going to crush it. Going to be really good. I think that's very true. I think that's it, it sounds like a, a very good thing you have eaten lately. So uh, excellent work with that. Uh, I, I think 
I'm not trying to give you like this is your first time on the show. I'm not trying to give you like a layup topics where it's just easy. I guess that'd be <laughs> no. a mixed metaphor if I was like layup topics you could just knock it out of the park. We don't need to go that far, but <laughs> I think we can. I think this is a good topic. It's not. I hope this isn't demeaning. Let's. I believe you're the first guest on the podcast named John. You know, I I know I thought about that. I've been I scrolled through. I have not li- exhausted your offerings, but we Vicky and I have listened to a few, and I've listened to a few on my own. And it occurred to me sometime today, like, is it weird if we call each other by our first name? Which I don't think it is. I determined that before that it would not be, and then I, I'm learning as we do this that it is not weird. I don't think it's weird, and if there are listeners who do. That is their problem. They should perhaps, maybe if they were named John, they wouldn't think it was weird. But I think we can do a little bit of a deep dive. Just in general, to begin with, how are you liking the name so far? I like the name. I like the name John. I, You have an H in your name, right? Yes. I do have a bias against Jonathan's. Are, are, you, are you John on your birth certificate? I am, J-O-H-N. Same here, exact same. Um... I think it's a great name. It's old. It's old, as you know, as in it's been around for a long time, but it doesn't. <laughs> Perhaps one could say it's timeless. The timeless name. It doesn't have any connotations of a certain era. Um. I noticed, or I talked with a f- coworker the other day. We were working next to each other and. We're talking about her son. Um, and we said something about John, and she said, you know, there used to be a ton of Johns, but I don't, you don't hear that name in younger kids, because I work with kids as well as adults. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I love the name. I think it's great. I think it, I know no other, but I think it, it it's a good one. Yeah, I was trying to think if I knew other, if, if I had had anybody named John on the show. And I thought that's honestly a pretty limited pool that I generally draw from. But then I went so far as it's just like open up my phone and look through. And yeah. I just, I just like, oh yeah, there must be like seven Johns in there. And the fact is, there's not. Uh, I think you're onto something. You mentioned that before. I think the, the key to the timeless but not super boring nature of John is the H. I think the H makes it stand out, makes it a little bit weird, even though it is like as straight down the middle a name as you could possibly have. It's just the H makes it stand out. It makes the name look nice when you got the capital J and then it stands up again in between the O yep. and the N. I, th- I think the H does it all. J-O-N blows. J-O-N, I'm just thinking about the guy <laughs> from Garfield. That's the only John I know. I don't need oh, any good of that. Um, so I, I was, we, we discussed that. Or have you have you ever done any Johnny, or has it always just been John? My grandpa calls me Johnny Boy sometimes. Um, every once in a while, a friend will say it, but it's not stuck. It's never. It's never. Nobody's ever latched on to that. Um, my brother. Family calls him Michael, but classmates and coworkers tend to gravitate toward Mike. And it's kind of this pervasive thing where 
I can kind of tell how people got to know my brother mm-hmm. just by what they call him, you know? I mean, and then truly <laughs> what they call, I mean, you know, it's like how well you know my brother if you call him an asshole, then you really know him. <laughs> like, but yeah, I mean, if if people that go to school with Michael call him Mike, people that work with him tend to call him Mike. Um, but none of us do. And it's no reason. It's funny because those things don't, I don't, I don't interpret a lot of choice in those kinds of decisions. Right. Yeah. There's no obvious trend there where it's not like, Oh, well people who actually know I'm calling one thing and everybody else calls him another. It really is kind of, it sounds like it's just vacillating back and forth between circumstances and when you met him and what your relationship is. I definitely call, I, I call him Mike. I do notice when I talk to or see Instagram posts from Margaret, it's almost always Michael. Mm-hmm. She's, definitely, yeah. she's definitely Michael. So it sounds like, are you, are you, are you mostly calling Michael? I uh, exclusively, Exclusively. And then some of us call him Mitch when he's being uh, too big for his britches, which I like. I'd love to hear some more about this. Tell me about that. So I don't want to. I don't want to claim that I know where it came from. I'm guessing it's one of two, and it could be a sim- It could be a co a co copyright, <laughs> but. Again, my good friend Donald, Donald Rogers, um, an unrelated but shared last name cousin with uh, (laughs) Margaret Rogers, they both will refer to Mitch. Sometimes, (laughs) sometimes when Donald and I would be hanging, he was my roommate for a number of years when we'd be hanging out around the house and we had a particular question that might like, skew legal or academic or we just wanted to know Michael's obtuse opinion about we would (laughs) say to the other person get get my lawyer Mitch on the phone (laughs) which was always fun and I know I know Margaret in um, communication with her friend well at least me (laughs) (laughs) or Donald you know so I don't know I don't know the genesis of this but I love it, and it's got a certain. It works, I think. You know, I like that a lot. I also I never thought about this before. I feel like people like to have nicknames. Having two names is good. And then there's also lots of talk about oh, if you get like if your if your parents are yelling at you, you get the extended name. That's kind of a third name. If you get like your whole full name, that's bad. I think there's room here for one more. It doesn't have to be like, oh, now Mike is being serious business lawyer, man, so we call him Mitch or whatever. But I think everybody should have one more name. Like there, there, there's the, the fun version, the other, uh, the the normal version, the extended version, and then and then they would it could show like what sort of maybe line of work or like what your personality is like. Um, I think for us, have you ever considered any like have you ever thought about? I feel like we could have we could work some Jack in here. Like there, there should be some pot, some certain personality when we get into that mode. Somebody starts calling you Jack, and it either tells you to like cool your jets or something like that. I, my friend Devin, I don't remember when this was, where this was. We were at someone's wedding, and my hair was a little longer than I had been wearing it normally, or the last time he saw me, or something. 
And because I was dressed up, I think I tried to like do something to it. And it ended up like looking maybe a little preppy or something. And Devin commented on it, said he really liked it. And he said, I, he thought I had a John Kennedy vibe going on and, uh, maybe we should call me Jack, but it, it that's, that's it. I think the only time anyone's ever, I will say I play bluegrass music and in bluegrass guitar, there's a thing called the G run, which is like, it's like a rhythm guitar technique. It's single notes and it kind of punctuates the end of a line. Like you'll sing something, get to the end of the verse, and then you'll do a G run. And you've probably heard it, like in the Beverly Hillbillies song or something like that. And it's like a it's like a stock musical lick, mm -hmm. basically. It's called a G run. So some of my bluegrass friends call me Johnny G run. <laughs> in <laughs> Every every once in a while, it'll come up, which I I, I wear as a badge of honor. It sounds legit. It, it, it sounds like you have already transcended. Like I was so excited about the idea of getting one person one time to call me one other thing, and it's, you you've already blown past this. You've got a little Jack in your back pocket if you need. You got a little Johnny G run, which is a thousand times better than Jack. I mean that. I, I think I think it also speaks well to the idea. More weird names for people that are somewhat close to your normal name. Not just random off-the-wall nicknames, but I think tying to the name is good. We can do more of that. Can I ask one follow-up question on this conversation? Do it. Do you know, and we don't need to throw anybody under the bus here. Do you know anybody that's tried to ascribe a nickname for themselves? Uh, I had a friend in college who... Uh, we gave him a nickname and he didn't like it and he started trying to come up with his own nickname and that just locked in the original nickname because it's in part because like like you say you can't really just be like hey everybody this is my cool name now call me this instead of my real name and especially right. if you're doing it to try to get out of a different nickname it's uh the worst um that's, yeah yeah that's doomed i now and then this is just full disclosure. My my name is 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 John Rhodes, and so my last name is Rhodes. Sets up for lots of boring nicknames. And for whatever reason, when I was in like third grade, I was like, it would be cool if everybody called me Gravel, like Gravel Rhodes. <laughs> uh, I was wrong. That's not cool. But I did like go to school and say everyone should call me Gravel, and then everyone did. And so, like, I was called Gravel for, like, two years when I was in grade school. And that was my own choosing, and that is not a great thing to do, even if you're a child. Well, it's better than Dusty. Better than Dusty. Not as good as Lonesome. Lonesome Roads is the real play in retrospect. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Uh, my dad, somebody, some teacher or something called me Dusty Roads once, and my dad was like, that's a slam. That means they don't like you. And he told me all about how Dusty Roach was no good. And he was like, you tell that teacher they don't call you Dusty Roach no more. And then I don't think I said anything. I think it just never came up again. But he was like, That's somebody. Good. And then similarly, my dad's name was also John. That's partly why he okay. was so attuned to such. Although I guess his name was also John Rhodes. It's the Rhodes part, not the Dusty part that was so troublesome there. But uh, growing up, his family loved the show The Waltons. Uh I don't think I said that very well. The Waltons. 
And whenever his brothers wanted to get on his nerves, they'd call him John Poy. And that was like the go-to for like if, if somebody, like if my dad got a little bit mad at somebody and somebody wanted to push one of his buttons, he'd get a take it easy, John Boy, or something like that. And that meant it's now it's on. <laughs> we shouldn't be doing this. Don't call John John Boy unless like you want to get hit in the face. Yeah. And that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. I've I've definitely had that reference lobbed at me by older folks mm-hmm. when I was younger. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the final question about the name: uh, If you had a son, would you name your son John? No, I wouldn't. Um, my dad and his dad, my grandpa, who's still around. Are, he's 94, <clears throat> I think, yeah, 94. They are both named Donald, but they have different middle names. Wait, are you a junior? I was just going to say, I, me and my dad are the same. Me and my dad are both John with different middle names. It's interesting. Now, my grandfather and my dad were both in local politics, which I'm sure my brother has told you about, but they were both in local politics and both very well known and still are very well known in Alton, Illinois, where we come from, which is a town, you know, roughly 30,000 people. Um, so, you know, it's not a small town, it's a city, but everybody knows each other, especially if, if you have a profile as a local politician. Mm-hmm. And my grandma always said when my dad got into that line of work that she regretted naming him the same name as his father every time she saw, you know, a political sign or something in the newspaper or anything, you know, just because how do you discern? Um, My grandpa, everybody calls him Bodie. It's either Don Huber or Bodie Huber, and he comes from that time when everybody, dudes, they all had nicknames. Um, And then my dad has always been Donnie. And then some professional colleagues call him Don, but most everybody I've ever met that, yeah, anyone that knows him calls him Donnie. So... I don't think I would, yeah. I think that that's evidence enough for me that I wouldn't want to name, if I had a son, name him John. Yeah, I, I am exactly the same. Um, yeah. It was There's always been awkwardness to it, especially since, they, I mean, I don't think it would be markedly better if the junior was there, but at least then there'd be something to indicate you're not the same person. Right. But, like... When my dad was growing up, he went by Johnny a lot. And so, like, his aunts and uncles and even his mom and dad always would like, you'd go to visit. They'd call him Johnny, and I was John yeah. uh, to differentiate. But then in most other circles, I was Johnny, and he was John. And then there would always be some slight complications. But then after he died, it was a mess sorting stuff out with, like, calling people to be like, I'm John Rhodes, but I'm alive. But another John Rhodes, who's my right. dad is dead and at one point uh one of my uh one of the credit bureaus was like you're dead by the way so you can't have any more money 
And I had oh. to like do this whole thing, contacting them to be like, I didn't die. A different person died. Right. And that was like the final straw. Like I would never consider naming my son the same thing. Just so like put something else on there. We don't think you're me. It's very annoying. When people think you're you. Yeah, that is it. Yeah. That, that's I, I always find. Yeah, whatever. We don't need to get into it, but I always find it very surprising that the the fail safes that we have in place to prevent fraud <laughs> or whatever are not quite smart enough in those sorts of instances. It's just it's 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 very strange to me. Very yeah. similar uh, <clears throat> and probably worse. Before my parents died, they uh, they bought a camper and they like paid for half of it and then borrowed money for half of it. And then like two years later, they paid it off and I got a letter in the mail saying I paid off my camper. And then mm -hmm. I was like, I don't have a camper. And I, initially, I didn't even know any of this happened. And I thought that like, oh, my identity has been stolen. Again, not that I have yeah. all this awesome stuff somebody would want to steal. And then I called like the lender and they're like, oh yeah, we screwed that up. And we put that loan in your mom and your name instead of your mom and your dad's name. But oh. like, that's good for your credit rating. So don't worry about it. Yeah, sure, sure. Right. Like, I guess it's okay, but you, you guys just don't give a shit at all. It's right. like nothing bad happened. So we're not going to do, I mean, whatever. Right. It, it doesn't make, like you say, the lack of fill safes. Yeah. It's quite evident. It's strange. Yeah. This has been our intriguing conversation on yeah. our first names. Up next, John, what sauce are you bringing to the table this week? So I'm bringing Taco Bell fire sauce oh, to boy. the table. Now, caveat, I have not had it in a couple weeks. A couple weeks, so you're not like on top of your game. Right I didn't now. do my homework. Vicky told me I should, my fiance, Vicky, told me I should definitely eat some taco bell this week and i didn't i didn't do that but i've had enough taco bell fire sauce that i feel prepared to discuss it so to begin with said, is, is fire okay. sauce your number one at taco bell yes i don't i don't yes i will i don't do anything else i am exact same i i order the, all the food i want and no matter what it is the last thing I say is, can I get some fire sauce with that? And I, I don't yeah. need any mixture. I just want fire sauce. Margaret Rogers says that she orders Taco Bell in order to have a way to deliver fire sauce <laughs> to her mouth, which I... And I, I love that. I think about her every time I eat Taco Bell and get fire sauce because... It is a succinct and perfect way to describe <laughs> eating Taco Bell, which I love. And I've always loved it since I was a kid. I do. But I love fire sauce. It is, it is hard to think of a greater tribute to a person. I think of you every time I eat Taco Bell. Yes. Like, like I, I, you must have such fondness and affection for this person. It's like every time you, this is the only main association you have. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this fun thing. I like this good person. It's great news. Live Moss, live Margaret. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Um, do you, I, I don't do this anymore. There was a time I was enough into fire sauce that I would save the packets in the hopes of 
putting them on other things. Are there other non-Taco Bell items you're ever interested in trying to use the fire sauce on? I have only, so I'm not, I have lived with people that save sauces. I don't save sauces. And if I have been in a house, if there has been saved fire sauce in my house, I do not remember that it's there when it's time to eat something. So I have often thought this would be great with fire sauce. I mean, we got nachos from a taqueria nearby and they're amazing nachos. And, and this place has really good salsa. Clearly (laughs) it's not sauce. (laughs) It's salsa, but this is called taqueria Moran. It's, it's a staple, um, for me and my friend group. Um, I have all, I've never been unsatisfied, right? So I've never thought like put fire sauce on this taco. Mm -hmm. But when we were eating nachos, I thought about it. There was no fire sauce in the house, but I thought that, I mean, this would be amazing because there's um, pickled jalapenos, which I love, which remind, oh my God. You know what fire sauce would be so good on are just like stadium nachos with jalapeno. That's a really good call. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be amazing. I'm going to try it. I'll let you know. Um, same goes if you try it. But so, yeah, it's always in hindsight that I think. And I and I remember it with the nachos. Just thought of the, the well, the other kind of not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not like, yeah, okay. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't think of something that I, I – I can't remember something that it struck me. But it was probably something that I was, like, hodgepodging together, like mac and cheese with, like, frozen vegetables or mm-hmm. something, you know, or, you know, something that I would generally put sriracha on. I'm like – Maybe in the moment I'm thinking, oh, this would be also good with with Taco Bell fire sauce. But I I, I similarly uh, do not anymore uh, keep sauces around if I have extra sauces. And I always had a, the same sort of experience where like there'd just be a drawer and they were yeah. in there. But like I'm not opening this drawer when I'm cooking something or you know warming something up or getting takeout right. from someplace else. You would just never think of it. And then one day you'd be like, this is a preposterous proportion of my house to have devoted towards storing sauces I don't eat. I can't continue to live like this. And so now they're just not there. They're they're free, effective. You know, when when you save like ketchup and mustard packets and things, like at any point you could go rejuvenate that stockpile by sticking your hand in a container somewhere. You know, so it's like... You know, I don't. It, to me, it's not. It's not worth it. But. I think one of the, the the real turning points was in my my realization of how silly it was. Was I went in that drawer once and there was a bunch of like soy sauce packets, and the idea that I'm going to like delay buying a bottle of soy sauce by like a day at some point, I will yes. have an extra day before I have to re up because I have four packets of soy sauce in here is 
ridiculous. And, and I just, you're not getting anywhere with that. I think that's a really good point. And often I think you're confronted with the realization that that saving it means that at some point you're going to have one of those things. (laughs) So why would you ever put yourself in a position to only have like one ketchup packet or one soy sauce packet or something, you know, it does it in your own home (laughs) when you can buy the bottle, you know, man, you say that. And I just had this wave of guilt hit me. I had this realization, you know, those moderately fancy, uh, Heinz packets they have now where you can like squeeze out of one end or you have the dipping cup. Those are actually, yeah, those are cool. Those are cool. And when those started coming out and you saw those, I started, I was like, these are two, this is Heinz ketchup. That's the best ketchup. It's a cool vessel. I tried to start saving those again and it it didn't work. You just, you're not ever going to do it. Just don't kid yourself. That's true. You are. You get, you get a hold of those. Like these are, these are new and special. I got to use these even though I didn't need as many as they sent me. It's, it's just a mistake. Somebody like went through and designed that. So it, it inherently has some kind of greater value just as an object, I guess, in your like subconscious, you know, brain than, than just like literally a sealed bag. Yeah, at that point, it's, it's as much an experience as a sauce. Yes. And so yes. my brain is like, how dare I throw away this? someone's hard work but sometimes you right. gotta throw away somebody's hard work uh our next segment i mentioned before that uh you are a a first-time guest i also believe you are the guest i've had on the show that i have spoken to the least previous to being on the podcast so i thought you'd have a unique perspective on this uh how do you think I'm doing so far? In this particular episode or in your series? Oh, I don't think I'm prepared to hear an answer to the second one. I'll take just this yeah. episode. <laughs> well, both amazing. Oh, amazing. I'm going to answer like, for both. Let me take a moment and write that down. Amazing. I'll put that in quotes so I know who said it and it wasn't me. I think, it, I think that it's very difficult to get people to open, like to be comfortable in person or through a portal on your computer. And having, I mean, knowing someone even just a little bit like we do, it definitely helps. But Vicki and I have been listening to some episodes. We've been listening to Margaret's episodes. And then I've listened to without Vicky Michael's episodes. So I, I haven't I haven't listened to any with like Bill or Gina or anyone else, but <clears throat> Vicky has never met you and immediately was taken by your warmth and your ability to push the conversation forward. She laughs at your jokes. She laughs at Margaret's jokes. She knows Margaret some. They've met, you know. Wait, they have Yes, yes. So, wait. I don't need, I cannot, dang it. They're both going to listen to this. <laughs> it's just been very long since they've seen each other. Sure. 
and if they if they have met it's not it's not been as much as they've interacted through the internet whether through like a family zoom or instagram or whatever but so being able to have listen to vicky laugh at the things you're saying but also for you to let margaret be comfortable or my brother be comfortable and i know them both so well and they're just so natural around you you know on this which is not the most you know a podcast i don't know most people when they listen to interviews they listen to interviews with people that are either one completely random because you're listening to npr in your car but those people you have this sense of importance because it's the news or you seek out interviews with people that you admire for some reason and we i think it's easy to kind of be like well i don't know how this is going to go and what if i say something stupid and you know is it going to be boring like does anybody really want to like hear what i have to say and you cut through that and i i think that that's key so i think that for those reasons that i've said you're doing a very very good job I, I, I deeply appreciate the kind words. I promise that this was not intended as a uh, effort to go seeking compliments. But no, I, I don't. It, it didn't come off that way. I, I, I will say that in regards to Margaret and being comfortable on the podcast, I can take no credit whatsoever. Let me give you Margaret's origin story for coming on the podcast. Right. I had Mike on some number of times. And at that point, I don't think I, this, you may not know the backstory. This originally started, uh, in the pre accessible via SoundCloud archive days. Uh, I've heard as, it. yeah, I've heard you talk about yeah, it. Yeah. This, this was like a fantasy football podcast where I just recapped the week. And then eventually I was like, I don't like fantasy football, but I like calling my friends and doing a podcast. And so the football segment got smaller and smaller until it didn't exist and we just talked to my friends. And so, But initially, though, it was still just that group. And somebody would just, I just call somebody every week and we talk about it. And then uh, Mike and Margaret came to visit family in St. Paul, where uh, I was living, and then uh, they came to visit me since they were there. And then Margaret, and then we were at a bar. And Margaret, this was in the old days when you could have fun. Uh, yes. Margaret was like, hey, you got to let me on that podcast. I <laughs> want to come on and talk about Subway and how good all the sauces at Subway are. <laughs> and let me tell you, that's just, she, she had a statement of purpose from the beginning and has been right. writing it to fantastic success ever since. We recently had the episode about whether the tuna was real. That episode happened because she was like, sent me the article. I was like, we got to fucking talk about this. Yeah. Give me on that show to talk about it. the episode. And it's a, she's a fantastic guest and they're always good episodes, but I don't have a thing to do with that. That's just like, oh, you think, you think we should do that? Good idea. When it's good for you. And we set a time and it happens. That's great. You're coming to her table, it sounds it's, like. She might as I mean, those episodes might as well be run by her, yeah. Maybe maybe, yeah. maybe next time she'll <laughs> schedule and just let me know when to show up. <laughs> That's fantastic. <clears throat> well, no, I think, yeah. And I've been, I've been dipping my toe through work into 
moderating workshops that sometimes nice if they're of a more esoteric nature like covering say a, a musician's songwriting process so it's less demonstrative and participatory and it's more a presentation mm -hmm. or a lecture it will require me to um have an active role as the host and and do and be a moderator to keep the conversation going between us and then engage these 50 60 100 people that have bought um have paid to enroll in this in this you know in these workshops that i'm doing with the old town school of folk music and i'm not bad at it and and i didn't know how that was going to go and but it's hard you know it's hard to i mean there's sometimes i see people and i love them so much and i'm at the bar or at their house or playing you know or going to a show or whatever and i can't think of anything to say to these people and these are some of my best friends mm -hmm. you know and it's just like i don't know so <laughs> i i think that hearing you in these episodes i've listened to i think it's fantastic you know well, above all else, I am a deep well of interesting conversation topics. For example, our next topic on the show, do you like gum? Gum? I, no, not really. I knew you would say no. I don't know how I was so confident, but I, I have had, oh, go ahead. I like mints. I, I don't, I, gum, I, try, I, I like it at first. And then I'm like, what is it? There's no, this is stupid. And I spit it out. This is, this, this is a great feeling for me. I have, I, I keep a list on my phone of future podcast topics. And whenever yeah. I think of one, I just type it in my phone. If I have a couple That's of subtopics, I throw it in. I just have that. A while ago, I was like, gum is such bullshit. And then I was like, but this is a <laughs> scary topic. Cause if I bring it up with the wrong person and like, I like gum, like I can't just shit on the person. And so I've just been sitting on it. We're like, I got to get somebody who doesn't like gum. And I don't know why, but I was like, John Huber's going to be with me on this. We're going to hate on some gum. So yeah, gum is some bullshit. We're going down this road. So to begin with, let's start at the beginning. Did you, were you ever a gum person and like as a child or anything? I loved Big League Chew. My brother Very and I fun. would get a bag of it. Loved that stuff. We thought we, my grandpa chewed tobacco and he didn't chew the the like the tin mm -hmm. or the the Kodiak or whatever he kept a bag on the top of the refrigerator so like or in his back pocket if he would like go golfing or be out in the yard or whatever so we would do the exact same thing we would like put some of it in like our lip <laughs> and then like roll up the bag and stick it in our back pocket you know um so any gum that was you know and then there juicy Wait, is that what it was called? Juicy Fruit? Juicy Fruit, the no, yellow package, yeah. So that's that. Which actually is kind of good. You know, it's interesting. Nothing else tastes like it, I guess. And Wrigley is a Chicago thing. Um, So there, I guess... Are you talking I, yourself into gum? I'd like you to stop doing that. No, I, I'm, I'm being... I'm, I'm tangentially relating things you know want just consider i'm considering gum <laughs> <laughs> uh there there was a gum that you could get in the grocery store aisle and it was like it was wrapped 
obviously. And it was like, I remember it being, you know, maybe it's like eight pieces. And it was almost like the concept of like individually wrapped like Starburst or Mambo's or whatever. But it was a big wad of like really flavored like watermelon or grape or whatever. And those were great because we would get them and, and it's like this burst of like sugar and flavor. But then it went away, you know, what, three minutes or, you know. And then you just have this like wad of craziness in your mouth and you, you don't want that anymore because the sugar's gone and the flavor's gone. I think that's a big part of it. When I was a kid yeah. and I was very dumb, I was willing to, and, and like, first off, like my parents were not like giving me gum with sugar in it. They were like, don't chew gum with sugar and all your teeth will fall out. Yeah. But like that, I'm sure that only made it more desirable and then you'd get it and it'd be yeah. really good. But as you say, for like three minutes. And then after that, yeah. it's just like getting heavy in your mouth. Um, and so since then, now, like, I know, like, I don't even desire weird sugar gum because I imagine it would just make my teeth feel gross. I, yeah, I, I, better I feel like I could feel it coating my teeth. And then any other gum, I mean, I suppose the flavor lasts longer. I just can't, I can't conceive of wanting to, like, devote my time and energy to acquiring gum to chew and then doing it. I also feel like I associate it just with people who are dumb. Like, if somebody's chewing a lot of gum, I think I just, I might respect that. Like, that's not even a good thing to do on my end. But, like, if somebody's, like, sure. chewing gum all day at work, I'm like, what's up with this guy? This guy's weird. Yeah. yeah. And it's got to go somewhere. And it's one of those things where, I don't know, I'm a trusting person. I, I, I'm an optimistic person. I think people are fundamentally good. But then you see gum on the side everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so it's like there are, are countless people. It's like the snow just melted and there's dog shit yeah, everywhere. Yeah. And, it, and it's like I, we just got a dog, which is amazing. And I love this dog. And I'm walking it all the time. And I'm seeing all this dog shit. And I'm passing all these people with their dogs. And I'm like, you are all like <laughs> every one of you is potentially in one of these assholes. You know, and so, like, that's the thing with gum. It's, like, when you look down and you see those sidewalks, especially in, like, downtown, when it's it just, you know, in normal times, so highly trafficked. It's, like, who are, yeah, who are all these assholes that can't wait for the trash can on every single corner of downtown Chicago? It, you know, It might well just be, like, a vicious cycle thing. Where, like, as you start to chew less gum, the percentage of your encounters with gum that are hugely negative because, like, you put your hand in it by accident or you stepped on it on the street or you just saw it on the sidewalk. Well, now, three quarters of the time I interact with gum, it's I'm me getting mad at someone. And so my yeah. opinion of gum just continues to go further and further down. And then I never chew it. And now 100% of the time, if, if I run into gum, something bad happens. Something went wrong. Because I was yep. trying to do no gum, and I got some gum, and I didn't want it. Very true. Uh, very true. Now, do you think we are with the consensus here, or do you th like? Do you think gum favorability is on the decline or increasing in the modern day? 
I kind of had like a little flash of an answer for that when we started talking about gum. And then when I thought about Wrigley, and I, I, I don't know is the answer, but you have to assume that like everything in the world, I mean, I don't know what gum Arabic is, but I know that that's like, there's something about, and I know that in like in India, they chew betel leaves. Betel is like a tree and they wrap the, the nut of that tree in the leaf. And like, if you go to an Indian neighborhood in a, in a city, there's a lot of like red spots on the ground, especially like on the corners by the sewers. It's because they chew this thing and it's kind of like an oral fixation. It's kind of like, like a habit. It's kind of a digestive, right? And it goes back for millennia. So these kinds of things have existed, but just like everything in like the 1920s, Wrigley, you know, and I'm going to use Wrigley just as like a catch-all, determined that they could make tons of money off probably like the, the, the refuse of like some other production of something Mm -hmm. else. And, and then it becomes this packaged thing that never existed in the world before. And then it becomes like everything else that happened in the 20th century, like something that people can't live without, you know, it's just a part of your interaction. You pick up a pack at the, the grocery store or whatever. And I'm not like bad mouth, you know, I, I do all these things too. Right. So, but you re you know, what we assumed is just, the complete normal thing when we were growing up is really kind of a lot. There's a lot of absurdity behind it. And so those questions make me wonder if we're on the end of that, you know, like, but I thought cars were going to, you know, and then now everybody has a truck because gas dipped what, like, 15 cents or something <laughs> like over like a, a year and a half and it incurred I, I don't know what it was maybe it was a dollar I don't remember but it encouraged everyone to buy like the largest pickup trucks they could you know that's also a, an alt-right militaristic connotation too even if people don't understand it but you know, so it's like, I don't know. I have no clue, but I would think that these kind of old-timey, you know, and I've talked myself into saying no, because how many people drink Coke? I love Coke. I'll probably drink Coke for not a lot of it, but I'll have a Coke every now and then, probably for the rest of my life, and I would be sad if I could never drink another Coke. So maybe people think about that about gum in the same way and then therefore because there are billions of people in the world there's no way it's going anywhere i said at the beginning i gave myself a lot of credit because i correctly pegged you as an anti-gum person but now in retrospect i feel like i sold myself short uh, and how good a job I did in choosing you for the gum segment. You were like a gum scholar. 
You're like dropping knowledge. You're telling me about these leaves and nuts in India and the history of gum and like the history of trends and how people decide things. This is incredible information. I made most all of that up. I made most. It sounded fucking good to me. I did. I I spent time. I spent time in India. That's how I know about that part. The rest of it, it's like what? I watched Boardwalk Empire or something. (laughs) You know, like I don't know. I did. Uh, I'm with you on the truck thing. I didn't know about that until somewhere recently. And then you read about, like, the pedestrian fatality rate in the United States compared to other countries. And it seems like it's entirely because we're driving too many really big, tall trucks that people can't even fucking see who's in front of them. And then if you get hit by it, you don't go up on the hood. You go under the truck and die. It's it's horrifying. And And again, it's like... Well, I might need a truck once every two years, and it looks cool. So I bought a truck instead of a car because I'm insane, and I think it makes me I a love Republican. It, like, I, culturally, it looks cool. Like, my dad my dad needed it for work, but he always drove a truck. I think of that positively, but it's just like we're just killing a lot of people for no reason and also yeah. burning enormously unnecessary amounts of additional fossil fuels because, like, oh, I'll just, I'll just get 12 miles a gallon because who cares? Right. I... I would love a small, like a, I don't know, a, 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 like, the, none of them are small That's anymore. what I was going to say, is that's the other thing, is I like a, a small truck seems really cool, and those are just impossible. Every truck yeah. has to have, like, a 10-foot grill on the front to make sure yeah. that you're, you're 30 four feet Four doors, they all have four yeah. doors now. Because the people no. who buy them are not actually using them They're, for work. It's not you and your guys, it's right. you and your buddies, and you put your kids in the back because it's the family van, except now it's a truck. That's right. And yeah, like what was the, 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 uh, Toyota, the small Toyota. Dang it. I always remember the name of it, but anyway, it used to be the small Toyota. It's not small anymore. And it's very disappointing because those, I think that that's a perfectly designed vehicle. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if, if you require, even just sometimes, maybe you camp, maybe you have a hobby that requires like carting wood around or something like, but you live in a city and you don't, or you want decent gas mileage because you're not a moron, right? Like any one of these factors goes into like saying a small Ford Ranger or you know, a small Nissan or Mazda used to make a pickup truck. I see those every once in a while. Um, I saw I was driving on back roads up to Milwaukee to play a gig not that long ago and saw an out, outdoor gig, by the way, but uh, saw an old Isuzu pickup truck. I had never seen one of those before. I mean, these are things, they looked cool. Yeah. They were you know, perfectly sized. You could park them on a fairly like congested city street, you know, it has a lot of the same functionality as a car. It just has a nice big bed in the back and you can put a bunch of shit in there. Right. Instead of like, I'm just going to make the biggest vehicle I am legally allowed to make and sell for the most money I can possibly sell it for and tell people it's cool. That's right. Uh, this has been an excellent gum segment. I have one thing I want to go back to just because I did. I want to give. I want to give myself credit. I normally this is a a research free podcast. I never do any research, 
But this time I was thinking about has gum consumption gone up or down? And I thought, well, I think it's gone down for sure because nobody's chewing any gum. But I thought if right. I say that, somebody, Pat Polk, is going to do the research, find out about gum. And if I'm wrong, then he's going to tell me about it and I'm going to feel bad. So I looked into it. And I found this website that says they can show you the trends for the last 10 years of what's happened with gum and then what's going to come up in the next 10 years. Projections. Sure. Perfect. And uh, I, did, I ran this search and I found this website and I clicked on it. And they're like, if you want access to the data, it costs $470 a year. <laughs> so I don't have any fucking idea what's going on with gum. I didn't do it. And it was like two minutes before we started recording, and I wasn't going to delay things. So if somebody figures out whether gum's up or down, you can tell us. But it sounds like you're on gum is slightly up or neutral, and I'm on gum is way down. Yeah, that that's where right? I'm at. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting if we could figure that out. I'm curious, do you think that they actually have that information or do you think that they have a way for searches to provide you, like, I don't know exactly how to say it. But they're but basically it's, looking it's, at what you search and then coming up with like, oh, yeah, we got all that data right here. Yeah, if you're looking for projections on some yeah. s some market. Even if it's, I mean, gum, I guess, isn't niche. It's everywhere. But you know what I'm saying? Like, really, who's looking into that? I guess some people are. I, this, I'm just really revealing my complete ignorance about how anything related to financial things. It work. does feel like, really... though, like if you have that information legitimately, your customers are not people Googling this. They're corporations. Like, yeah. you don't, you're not trying to sell based on getting to the top of the uh, Google results list and then get it convincing me to purchase a $468 a year subscription with no other options. Like, literally yep. cannot purchase this paper. Like, to begin, to be clear, I would not have paid one cent for this. But, yeah. uh, like, like, there's yeah. no way, like, that's the actual business model. I mean, there's, there's a good chance this is some other weird thing, and they're just doing some SEO and getting to the top of the sure. charts. Sure. Um, that is, yeah, fascinating. I would love, I, yeah. If you, if you read anything, send it my way. Definitely. Was, Pat, that's directed at you. You can also just send it to me, and I'll send it to Mike. But he, uh, I fucking knew I would call you Mike at some point. God damn it. Apologies. It's fine. It's fine. <sighs> I know. I honestly, I thought in advance, I was like, I'm going to do a good job. I'm not going to say it. And then I never even came close at any point. And I fucking did it at the end. It, it's fine. It has been happening my entire life. Do you have any exciting stories of times when it like happened and upset you or anything? Or has it just always been chill? It's really always been chill. I can't think of an upsetting or frustrating or anything time i'm i'm it's possible that it happened i can't think of any um my favorite story is when i transferred into knox college where my brother started and graduated from in his college career and i ended up transferring there and i graduated there from there but this was his junior year and he, we were on trimesters there, or yeah, trimester. So this was, 
his junior year, he was studying abroad in Northern Germany when I started at Knox College. <laughs> so for the first two terms, but especially the first, like, you know, two months or something, like, it's like, hey, Mike, hey, Mike, hey, Mike. And this goes back to what we were talking about with Nick. If somebody's like, Michael? I'd be like, you know him. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? I, and also it was like the respectable, like, something is telling me this is, what is going, you know, it's like when someone would just assume like, hey, Mike, what's up? You know, it's like, ah, I'm not Mike, you know. And I was very patient with people. And I, it's completely, because this was. It's a amazing. truly bizarre situation that the moment it's, he yeah. leaves, there's there's yeah. a new one here. I like. Yeah. I also like the idea that somehow, for like maybe people who really know him, are like somehow Mike got spit out of travel abroad and flunked out in like three days, and they just sent it back. Yeah. Like it was. Yeah. It didn't yeah. go great. He's just he's back. He didn't want to tell anybody. He's humiliated. I'm gonna he's go also got him. longer hair, and he's wearing a tie dye shirt. <laughs> he had a what? weird time in Germany. He's not the same guy anymore. <laughs> but I'm gonna get in his face and yell his name at him. Yeah. <laughs> It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, literally our whole life. I mean, and I, I don't, I, it's like, I completely understand that. And man, I worked with kids at a Montessori school as a classroom assistant for like 10 years. And we had twins and I was always really good about it. And then there were these two twins and I could not tell them apart. And I felt deep shame, deep, like deep shame about it and i told their mom i was like i know them i have spent time with them i know their names i am a twin and i'm like confessing something to her <laughs> she's like everyone does it i'm like i know that's the point like i i know you know <laughs> i thought that was funny you know it's like she doesn't care no one cares they don't care i never cared you know, neither did Michael, but it's like, yeah, I'm feeling this like deep, deep shame about it. But anyway, when I was growing up, uh, I, I think, you know, as I went through, I grew up in a very small town we had like 20 kids in my class and uh, there were two twins and they did not look much alike. They looked much less alike than you and your brother, but, but still they were twins. And so, like, everybody in the class, we all knew each other very well. And it was, you would absolutely never mistake them for one another. But um, beginning of every school year, the teachers would always have a terrible time with it. And then uh, substitute teachers would come in, have absolutely no idea which was which. And it was yeah. great because then it was like the normal thing times an entire classroom of kids because every single kid in the classroom, including the twins, knew exactly which one was which. And so, like, if you called the wrong one the wrong one, the entire room is screaming, nope, that's Jared, not Jason. And it, it was it was a good time. Uh, that's a lot I don't that. exactly know where you grew up. Uh, I, I wondered, I almost mentioned it, I grew up in Avon, Illinois, about half an hour away from Galesburg, where Knox College is. My brothers so told me that. Now. Yeah, yeah. My, my, Michael told me that. I had forgotten. Yeah. I... Where, which way is it from uh, Galesburg? Straight south. It's kind of halfway between Galesburg and Macomb. 
Okay. I think there's like kind yeah. of a weird L-ish shape there. Like we're kind of the midpoint if you stayed on the main road. Right. Uh, we also, uh, here's a, a nugget for you and I, I suppose Michael and no one else, but... Uh, Margaret went there too. Oh, yeah, that's true as well. Uh, but one year during the summer, uh, my family's summer vacation, vacation, it was like summer's long weekend trip, was we went down to Alton and stayed there and then went to the, there's like a water park nearby. Yeah. And like that, that and then like I went to the Robert Wadlow statue and did all that. Oh, like, that's so cool. it, it was very fun. And so it was a truly bizarre thing later to be like, oh yeah, I was like hovering around these Hubers my whole life and I had no idea. <laughs> like I was living so nearby and I was visiting the town they were in. Do you remember the Piasaw bird? I don't have any idea what that is. Yeah, it was on the bluffs. I mean, it's a whole story, but yeah. It's like one of the attractions in town. Um, I remember we stayed at the Holiday Inn, I believe, and it was very nice. And then I remember the statue, and then I remember this weird restaurant we went to, but I don't remember anything else about it. And then we went to the water park like two days in a row, and it was great. We had a really good time. That's cool. Raging River. That's right. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't think of the name, but that's yeah. definitely right. I found my membership card there <laughs> at my mom's house a couple of few years ago, put it on my Instagram, but yeah, it's like when those, when it was, I'm sure now, you know, maybe they do season passes. That's what it would be a season pass, you know, but it was a laminated <laughs> like identification card. You know, and I love the concept of giving that to like a nine-year-old child. <laughs> You're like, a VIP at this water park. Come on in, yeah, sir. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was cool, and I'm sure we used it for like playing cops or what. You know, it's yeah. like because we, we all probably had a wallet. I don't know. Anyway, like yeah, we probably got a lot of traction out of that. I like it. Yeah. Well, John, it's been an excellent episode. We have time for just one more segment. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> I like that Margaret plugged Subway on her episode. I that you know it might have been necessary. We talked a lot of shit about Subway on that episode, so maybe yeah, like she so. needed to remind people, like, by the way, there's good stuff still at Subway. Still go there. I did work at Subway all through high school. Oh, nice. And we should have uh, talked about that then. You have to come back and just do a Subway episode. Have. And and the Subway slam, I <laughs> <laughs> when I heard my brother say that, I was just floored. I thought that was the coolest <laughs> thing. I mean, it's been brewing for a long time because he saw I've I've made countless Subway sandwiches <laughs> for him. Um. No, I would like to – so I work in Chicago at a place called the Old Town School of Folk Music. And we have a website, old, oldtownschool.org. And it's a really, really cool organization. I've been there since 2011, maybe as a – working in their summer camp for 7- to 11-year-old kids – Excuse me. And then also teaching some bluegrass guitar or like a bluegrass ensemble 
class where both are for adults. So it's not very, but, but besides the summer, very, very, very sporadic teaching, maybe one time a week. Um, but got an administrative, full-time administrative position there, March, 2019. And this place has been open since 1957. We have two buildings across the street from each other in one neighborhood, another, our original building that we started occupying in the 60s. We bought it, you know, we, in the, like the early, early sixties, um, you know, so, and then some, some satellite location stuff. And, you know, it's, it's a real Chicago institution. John Prine learned how to play guitar there. There you go. Um, Roger McGuinn from the birds. Big Bill Brunzi is a really well-known um, early Chicago blues musician, and he was a part of that orbit. Um, and, um, yeah, Odetta is a really well-known folk in the folk world, like a trailblazing folk singer. And she, she just released a – there's just a new book about her, and it talks about the Old Town School a lot. So it's it's one of those, like – really sort of established institutions, perhaps like Smithsonian Folkways, which was like its own record label. And then the Smithsonian acquired the Folkways record label. And everybody's heard something from Smithsonian Folkways, but they may not know Mm -hmm. what it is, you know? Um, So, yeah, I mean, to me, there could be no better place for me to work as a bluegrass folk, you know, musician and um, someone that tries to learn as much as possible about this. But also I, I got my degree in elementary education. I worked in a school for 10 years, you know, in a, a pre-K and elementary Montessori school. So this is like, if you just smash all the things that I love and care about, together like you get the old town school of folk music and to have a hand in how it runs and how it goes and helping it be you know keeping it an amazing place i i it's it's a very very special thing for me um and i love it and i feel honored to do it so that's what i would plug that's kind of the little bit about it and the backstory but in march we moved online and we had, I mean, we're about at like 80, 90% capacity of offering. So like we definitely are not at full strength and there's things that we can't do Mm. online, but I mean, we're doing pretty good. And um, one of the perks of all of this is that, you know, we're getting students that have, they fell in love with it and they moved outside of the city, maybe to the suburbs, maybe to a different state. Um, and we're also interacting with touring artists that can't tour right now. So our own teachers, but also pretty well-known folks um, are giving these online workshops. So instead of signing up for like an eight week class, you can do a 90 minute workshop and it, it's everything. There's some dance stuff. There's, you know, like kind of song baggy, like, you know, it's like a jam. It's like 
if you come to this thing, you're, you know, people are just going to kind of play songs by Bob Dylan or the Beatles or something. It's kind of like a free for all. Doesn't matter what instrument you bring. It doesn't, you know, it's just kind of an open jam. But then there's some like really heavy stuff too. You know, there's um, the, the, you know, the guy that plays guitar in Wilco, Nels Klein gave a workshop um, that was incredible. Um, the guitar player from Tortoise, Jeff Parker, just did one. We're doing a whole series of like African rooted percussion styles. So like spotlighting an artist from that plays Puerto Rican music or Colombian music or Haitian music. Um, you know, I mean, it's like serious ass shit, you know, and to me, that's really cool because there's like room for the people that need music is like a community thing and like a social thing. Um, and then there's music, there's things for people that want to get really academic and there's things in between and, you know, so, and it, you know, I, I, a lot of that is spearheaded by my work, like the workshops have been going on there forever, but the online thing was new to everybody. And I kind of saw this cool thing. And so I hit up a lot of my friends and contacts in like the bluegrass string bandy world um, to kind of get, try and get money in their pocket and try and like get their connections to know that we're doing stuff online and then it just blossomed out and there's a bunch of people working on it. And again, like I didn't invent this thing or at all, but I feel it's one of the only things that I feel like I kind of had a hand in like the beginning of like, like I helped make something that's really successful. Kind of, I helped kind of start it um, as far as these online workshops being so such a pervasive part of what we do. And I'm really proud of that because I've never, you know, like I've never done something like that before. Um, so, yeah, I post about it on my Instagram all the time. And, and you can follow people can follow the Old Town School, which is just at Old Town School. Um, and yeah, anybody that would want to reach out to me about any of this stuff, like you can hit me up on Instagram, which is at John, which we've covered, has an H. You leave that H yeah. out, you're going to have no luck at all. You're, just, you're, you're no out luck. of line. No luck. John J. Huber. But yeah, which I've heard you talk about on this podcast, John, my Instagram, about me playing music sure. on it. And, and that, that really alone fine. has been a very enjoyable really thing during these bad times. Yeah. Um, I, I also remember <laughs> you brought that up with my brother, and he was like, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I didn't say shit. I did not say shit. And I was, he was like, probably jealous. Cool. He was he wanted me to plug like helping someone run for mayor and I didn't do that. <laughs> um but I, I think your your main thrust there, this is a thing I think that as we hopefully are starting to leave this terrible, terrible time, there are lessons and there's 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 things we can learn. That some of this stuff, this isn't the way we want to do things ever again. But there, there are value. There's value in a lot of what we've done here, and that there's a lot yeah. of stuff that we weren't doing things as well as we could before, and that some of the stuff we do want to hang on to. 
and it sounds like you're yeah. a big part of that at this place. So they're they should be they should be glad to have you and the, the the people who are benefiting from it. This is fantastic. That's right. You know, and 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 I think that what you just said though is that's really right on for a lot of things. I mean, people are going to stop washing their hands, man. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like Texas; they're not going to wear masks anymore. You know, so it's like these things that we really did learn as human beings. Like, we got to try and hold on to them because nobody else is going to give a shit. This whole thing yeah. where like nobody gets the flu in the winter—pretty good. We should do that again. It's great. It doesn't have to just be this year. We could we could do this, and it wouldn't be it's, that we wouldn't we have really to do. We don't have to lock everything down. Let's just wash our hands and wear some masks, especially if we aren't feeling great. And boy, we'd have a totally different experience and lots of people would get to keep being alive instead of dying of the flu. I'd be okay. Yeah. Let's do that. I mean, I'm into it. I'm totally into it. Uh, well, John, you've been an excellent guest. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me and making it super easy and really fun. This has been a blast. I've had a very good time. Best wishes in the intervening days. Oh.